0: If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 5. We have gone through 1, 2, 3, and 4, and now we have come to 5. We're going to find a theme in this chapter, and I'm not going to touch too much on this phrase that you see several times in this chapter, but it is the phrase, much more, much more. Come on, make a friend of that tonight. Much more. God is wanting us to see. There's a comparison that takes place toward the end of this chapter between the man who brought the offense and the man who brought justification. The man, Adam, who sinned and the man, Jesus, who obeyed to the fullest. Hallelujah. And he was much more, as much as effective as Adam's sin was, that it affected affected the entire human race, the entire world, I, mean, I don't know how you get much more than that unless you're the last Adam. So where sin abounded, what happened? Grace much more abounded. That's why we talk about what's the much more thing around here. Huh? There's, there's a lot of preaching on sin, but I want to talk about the much more thing, the grace of God. How about that? Huh? This is what really needs to be emphasized. This is what really will change people's lives when they understand that God loved them so much. That he gave him his son, and that whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. That's what lifts people out of sin. Hallelujah. Not telling them they're, you know, cursing the darkness. No, we turn on the light. The gospel is the light. We are the light of the world, Jesus said. Amen. Okay, I don't want to get too far off. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been. Everybody say, having been. This is beautiful. Therefore, having been justified, how? By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love the word peace. i just got to tell you this again, just in case you haven't heard it in a while. It's the Greek word, erene, and it means an end to the rage and havoc of war, a state of national tranquility. Praise God. What that means is God got over his anger at sin. He poured out all of his wrath on his son. No longer is he angry. He was in him reconciling the whole world unto himself. Hallelujah! Praise God. That's why we need to talk about his love and grace because that's what he—that's what he is giving to us. We have been justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Faith in Jesus makes you right with God. Therefore, you have peace with Him. If you're right with Him, you have peace with Him. Amen. You can't make yourself right. Jesus did that for you. You just believe on Him. Verse 2, "...through whom also we have access by faith." Again, the emphasis here is by faith. We're justified by faith. "...and we have access by faith." into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So not only do we have peace, but we also have access into grace or act, uh, grace is, uh, is God's favor to us. You know, it's one thing for you and I to make peace after a conflict, right, and be cool with each other that we've, we've settled our differences, but it's a whole other issue for you to come into my house and open up my refrigerator and take my food. All right? It's one thing to have peace, but it's another thing to have access. Hallelujah. Not only has he is the rage and havoc of war over, but he invites us now to come boldly before the throne of grace saying, what I have is yours. I didn't spare Jesus. I'll freely give you all things. Hallelujah. We have access to everything that God has. Thank God He doesn't have that attitude that, okay, yeah, Jesus died for you. You're cool. I'm cool. You do what you do, and I'll mind my own business, and then, you know, just, just don't make me mad. No, it's not like that at all. No, He's, he's called us into this place called grace. Say this with me. I walk, Faith is my pace, and grace is my place. Hallelujah. That means, see, that means if, if you're favored by God, that means He is completely over your sin's your faults, and your failures, and that you have become his favorite. God used to have, there used to be all kinds of Israelites and Hivites and Jebusites and Perizzites and Canaanites. Now he just has favorites. Amen. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And rejoice in hope of the glory. That glory that it's talking about here is the day when we will receive the fullness of our salvation. That is when this body, which is the last, the last part of the deal, is going to be made new. This corruption is going to put on incorruption and this mortal will put on immortality. And our bodies are going to be made perfect, through and through. Somebody needs to shot glory over that, huh? Aren't you glad this isn't what you got the rest of your life? Hallelujah. Those aches and pains and allergies and the, the weakness in the body and the struggle and the weariness, all that. No, no, none of that's even going to exist. Huh? You're going to have a body made for eternity. Glory to yeah. God. But, you know, he says we're not just excited about heaven. I love that he says we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I mean, it's a powerful statement. That day when we are saved, spirit, soul, and body, we receive the full effect of what Jesus did for us. But then he says, verse 3, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Wow. You had me until verse 3, Paul. I'm all excited about looking forward. Oh, yeah, that day is going to be great, but now you're getting into my life right now. How I need to act right now, about my situation right now, when the pressure's on. That's what tribulation means. It means pressure. We glory in pressure. Now, and I want you to notice that because if we're not careful, we'll get religious. All right? He does not say that we glory for tribulations. All right? We glory in because tribulations are not your friend. They're not your friend. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. Knowing that, watch this, knowing that this is about having a right kind of perspective, a joyful perspective on your life, all right? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance or patience or endurance. And perseverance, character and character, hope. Wow. Wow. So we are of the mindset and attitude that good will be our end no matter what. That's what he's saying. This is the conclusion. We always end in hope. Why? Well, because the Word of God in us, which is our hope, will endure. And that Word of God in us is able to and will guide us and it will strengthen us and it will ultimately bring us to victory Jesus taught us about our great need for the word of God to be planted deep in our hearts take your Bible and jump over to Mark chapter 4 for just a moment this is a crucial crucial parable and we and we do talk about this parable quite often because Jesus said if you don't understand this one how are you going to understand any of them all right so he made this parable of utmost importance and Jesus begins talking about this sower who went out and sowed seed. It starts scattering seed. And he talks about the kind of soil that the seed was landing on, all right? Uh, the wayside, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, shallow ground, that which is among thorns and thistles. And, uh, uh, and then there, there were some that was sown on good ground. Now watch this. We're going to get to verse 14 because the disciples asked him, what does this parable mean? Verse 14 says, the sower sows the word. Let's all say that together. The sower sows the word hey let me just encourage you today all of you who are ministers of the gospel of the lord jesus christ hey we just have this this is our responsibility to sow the word now it's not our responsibility to see how the word is going to affect someone that's going to be on god's part all right how deep that word's going to be planted in someone's life we have the responsibility to simply scatter to scatter the seed all right just sow the word amen Verse 15, and these are the ones sown by the wayside. Uh, wait, wait, yeah, ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So we understand that there's an enemy of the word here, which is Satan himself. 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. That's why, and I love when people amen me in church. I love having Brother Charlie. I mean, this man is strong in amening. Amen. God. amen. 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 You know, it's, it, it's awesome because I hear, have people say that, that, they listen to the podcast and they say, who's the guy that says amen on your podcast? That's amen, Charlie. <laughs> These like one of the ones when they they immediately receive it with gladness, but watch, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. But for the moment, they're excited about the word, man. Oh man, that was a great church service. I went two weeks in a row. Woohoo! Life is going good, right? And then, with bam, the pressure's on. They buckle. So it didn't take deep root. They fall apart, and begin maybe the blame game, or why is this all happening? And then all of a sudden, their their whole focus shifts on something else. And, man, they can play church. Oh, man, they can play church with the best of them. Hmm? When tribulation or persecution arises, how? When did, what, is it, what, is it, what is it coming for, ladies and gentlemen? What's persecution tribulation coming? For the word's sake. That's why I said earlier, tribulation is not your friend. It's coming to steal the word from you. All right? So it's not some plan of God. It's not God putting tribulation on you. Otherwise, he's fighting himself. You have to understand there is a difference. Jesus said, in the world, you have tribulation. This is a product of this world. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. All right? That ain't my plan. My plan is for you to have victory. My plan is for you to overcome because I've overcome. Amen? So this is, this is not from God. This is not God trying to teach you a lesson. Listen, he's got lots of lessons to teach you, all right? So he's not going to back up. He's not going to turn on against his own word to try to teach you something. He's not just going to go do whatever he wants to, uh, even after he said one thing. God is truth. He tells the truth. He sticks to his word. He watches over his word to perform it. He's not just going to get moody and go do something else. Uh, he's not like us. huh? He's a whole lot better. Matter of fact, he said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. All right? So let's keep God where he is and quit acting like he's like us, except a little bit better. All right? No. No, he is going to stick to his word. He not only gives his promises, he keeps his promises. Amen? That's why we can have faith full assurance in him and in his word. These tribulations don't let those kind of things make you feel weird about God or like, oh, Lord, Lord's trying to show. No, 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 Lord's trying to show you victory. Keep your eyes on it. That tribulation is coming to steal the word from you. You need to get the word of God in your mouth and confess what God has said so that that tribulation doesn't overtake you, doesn't come and steal the word from you. All right, how long do you want to go through that same thing over and over and over and over again? Don't you want to win this deal? huh? Let's win this thing. And the only way that you're going to win is to hold on to that word because you've got the devil coming after it. You've got tribulation. The pressure is on trying to take it from you. And not only that, it says tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake. You got other people mocking you about your faith in God. You know, they see you dealing with that sickness and then then they hear you say that ridiculous stuff like by his stripes, I'm healed. Whatever. You're sick, man. What do you mean by what do you mean I'm healed? You're not healed, you're sick. You got, you know, friends and people who live in the real world. Right? But you don't live in the real world as Christians, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Your real world is the world of faith in God. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Anything outside of that is you being fake, actually. Yeah. Amen. Did he heal you? Did he bear stripes on his take stripes upon his back for your healing? Yeah. Hmm? Did he do it? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. If he paid for it, I think he wants you to have it. Yeah. All right. So just because somebody else has something to say about it doesn't mean a thing. What has he said and what he has he done? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, these are the ones. Okay, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake immediately they stumble. Eighteen. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. You see this. See all of these things. And once the word becomes unfruitful and ineffective, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot experience the life that God came for you to have. You can't have it because his word is his life. Jesus said the words that I speak to you our spirit, and they are life. Yeah. I like the way Proverbs yeah. says it. His word is life to those who find it and health to all of their flesh. Yeah. But these are the ones sown on good ground. I know I'm looking. The Wednesday night crowd is the good ground. All right? I'm, I'm convinced of that. All right? So I'm, I'm not really preaching at you. I'm preaching at you to preach to other people. All right? These are people who go to other churches. Are people who don't go to church. <laughs> you, you guys are the cream of the crop here. These are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, yeah. accept it, and bear fruit. Hear the word. That, that word accept simply means to believe it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we hear it, we believe it, and we bear fruit of that faith. Hallelujah. Yeah. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. So in this passage, we see how vital it is for us to guard and to keep God's Word planted and flourishing in our lives. And those things that are opposing us are Satan. How does Satan oppose you? Well, he lies. He just lies to you all the time. He accuses you all the time. Jesus said there's no truth in him. He is the father of lies. All right? So he's going to say anything that's opposing to God's Word. He's going to try to talk you out of it and tell you it didn't work before, it hadn't worked before, and... You just need to sing that Garth Brooks song. Some of God's greatest gifts or unanswered prayers, and I just said Garth Brooks. I just kind of compared it with the devil, and I didn't mean to do that. He's in, he's from Oklahoma. I like the guy. He's not great. I mean, you know, I don't really look to him for theology anyway. There's <laughs> some good country music. Okay. Back to where we are, lies and accusations. That, the scripture says, that, you know in, over in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the armor of God. And it says, above all, taking the shield of faith by which you will be able to quench all. Listen to that assurance. All. All. Can we all say, all. All. All the fiery darts of the wicked one. All of them. What are those fiery darts? You're a loser. It's not going to work. You're you're never going to get healed. All that garbage. You're a pervert. You're stupid. Huh? All of those lies, faith quenches every one of them. No, no, no. Faith what? Faith in God's Word. Tribulation and persecution. Like I said, tribulation means pressure. Persecution means oppression for holding, for the holding of a belief or opinion. The cares of this world. I, we can sum that up to one word. Worry. All right? Worry is faith gone in the wrong direction. The deceitfulness of riches. That is, if I just had more money. If I just had more money. How many of, need, how many of you need more money in here tonight? Come on. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, we could all use some more money, but the deceitfulness of riches is it never ends. I heard a comedian talking some time ago. He said, "I'm always forty dollars short. No matter, no matter what, where I am, if I could just have forty more dollars, I'd be in good shape." It's the deceitfulness of riches, or the desire for other things. That is, the appetites of this flesh, things that would please. The flesh and not the Lord. All right, we got to keep moving. Verse, man, we're still in verse. We are in verse three of Romans. Yeah, okay, let's go back to Romans now. I'm not gonna. If I don't finish this chapter, I'm not worried about it. All right. For many years, I sat under preaching, who they felt like they had to finish the entire sermon, and it's brutal, right? I mean, come on, can we just be honest? Like, okay, 20 minutes ago, I was. You lost me, Pastor. I mean, I love you. One of my favorite things to hear was 45 minutes into the message, and that was just the introduction. I'm like, oh, are you kidding? That's just the introduction? How long are we gonna be here, man? We had, a, we had a pastor years ago who preached Thanksgiving in an acronym. All right? These are his points. He preaches tea for half an hour, right? So I'm like. H-A-N-K-S-G-I-V-I-N-G. Is this a Spanish church? How long we going to be here, man? Those Mexican folk, they can go all day long. Well, he ended up going, H is this, and A is this, and N is this, and K is this, and S is this. They spent too much time on T, man. Or, or let's come back next week, man. To be continued, you got a lot more Sundays. All right, sorry. I'm, I'm just, I, I've sat where you've sat. I know what you're feeling. Amen. And not only that, watch, but we also glory in tribulations. So when this pressure is on, this is when we grab a hold of God's promise and we rejoice in the moment because His Word is a permanent fixture in our lives and our trouble is not. It keeps you in the right perspective that your trouble has a major weakness And that weakness is, it is temporary. So when that storm is blowing, you're singing a song to the Lord. Hallelujah. When it's dark, you're shining because His Word is alive in you. And when the trial is over, the dust settles, and those clouds dissipate, guess what? You've developed endurance. You've gotten stronger. You've become more faithful, and you have a confident expectation that that tried to take you out or the word of God out of you only made you better. Amen. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I probably shouldn't try to sing that. Don't, okay. Verse five. Now hope does not. Who sings that song? Kelly Clarkson from Burleson, Texas. Now hope does not. Yeah, let's let her sing it, huh? Now, now hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Hope does. Did you catch that? Hope does not disappoint. How many of you ever heard the phrase, you don't want to get their hopes up? You don't want to get their hopes up. Huh? You don't want want to do that. Why am I here? What am I here for? What's the church here for? What are believers here for? We're here to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Huh? We're here to cast out devils. We're here to speak in new tongues. We're here to have signs and wonders and miracles. You don't want to get their hopes up. I mean, they're in stage four cancer now. You don't want to go in there and just try to make them feel like they're going to get, be okay. Why? I don't see any scriptures where we're supposed to lay down and die. Right? I don't care where they're at. I don't, I just believe that any minute anything can happen for those who will believe God. Seen it happen. Seen miracles. Seen cancer leave bodies when they had a death. Cell. Seen it happen. Yeah, huh? Amen. Why not believe God? I mean, if you're going to go out, go out fighting. Yeah. Don't ever accept that stuff as it's from God. This is my journey. No, this isn't your journey. Fight that thing. Yeah. Come on. This is your enemy. Okay, I'm sorry. It's got to call bad what it is. It's bad, evil what it is, evil. And good what it is, good. Yeah. The devil's bad, God is good. Yeah. Right. Let's keep it real. Yeah. Amen. Okay, so watch. Hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Ooh, that's so good. This is why hope doesn't disappoint. Why? Because you're loved by God. Did you know that tonight? Can I just remind you again the simplicity, the simple truth that you are loved by God. Your heavenly Father is on your side. There's no reason to ever lose hope. This hope we have, as the Hebrew says it, as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast. We've got to keep moving. For when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a, righteous, for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isaiah says it like this, all we like sheep have gone astray and we have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In other words, what happened was we went astray and we're all, you know, mankind was living for himself because of the condition of sin that they had become because of Adam. Born right into sin, just just scattered like, like sheep with no shepherd, going about living our own lives and God blamed Jesus for that. God blamed Jesus for us going astray. God blamed Jesus for us all turning our own way. He laid on Him the iniquity of all of us. Wow. But it was the only way we could be justified. It's God. It's only God who can justify the ungodly. We were without strength to turn things around for ourselves, so Jesus did it for us us. I had somebody argue with me one time, well, yeah, that's easy that Jesus could do it for us. I mean, he was God. Yeah, it was was easy for Jesus to walk on the earth and not sin. Well, let me ask you a question. If you're drowning out in the middle of the ocean, do you want some guy who can swim as good as you to try to help save you? Or do you need you a Navy SEAL out there? You need somebody who knows what they're doing. Huh? We needed God to become a man to come and save us because no man could save us. Amen. Much more. Verse 9, having now been justified by his blood, we will be saved. We shall be saved from wrath through him. That's what I'm saying. You've been saved from the wrath of God. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Think about that. It talks about us being weak, right? Without strength. Weak in sin. You know, I, I can, I can kind of understand Jesus and coming and for somebody who just, they just can't seem to get it right. But enemies? People who don't want anything. I mean, they got their, as it were, shaking their fists at God in defiance, and yet, yeah, he reconciled them too. Through the death of his son, much more, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So we were seeing three ways here before Christ. Weak or without strength, sinners, and enemies. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 11. Through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world. Who's that? Adam. Through one man sin entered the world and death through sin. Thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. And sin is not imputed when there is no law. Now, I have to ask this question. What law is he talking about here? This is not about the law of Moses here. All right? This is about the law that was in the Garden of Eden. And that, go, and that law sounded something like this. You shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Right? So it, it could not have been considered wrong... For Adam to eat of that tree unless he had been told, don't eat of the tree. You got it? So, and it was a, I want you to notice the way it says it. It was a knowledge of good and evil. That's what the problem was. It wasn't as much uh, about the sin as much as it was the knowledge that they had sinned. God wanted to keep them away from that knowledge, all right, because that knowledge would get stuck in their minds. What they had done would get stuck in their minds and it would defile them. It would defile the way they thought. They couldn't help but think about what they did and how bad it was and how it all went wrong for them. We all can kind of relate to that, can't we? Huh? Just over and over. It would just stick in their head. It would live in regret. It would think, you know, Adam would turn to Eve, sweetheart, you ate us out of house and home. That's the nature of sin. Yeah. Amen. It, they, they just wouldn't be able to get over what they had done. But when, but then, I should say, comes Jesus, hallelujah, right into our helpless and hopeless situation and declares these words, whoever believes on me will never die. Yeah. Amen. I am the resurrection and the life. Who believes in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. He who believes in me has passed from death to life. Hallelujah. He's talking about the very thing that sin caused. And that sin's result was death. But faith in Jesus causes the outcome of sin to go away. (laughs) Isn't that great news? I said faith in Jesus causes the outcome of sin to go away. Life! And that more abundantly. He became the last Adam. The last Adam, not the second Adam, the last Adam. There's the Adam who screwed it all up, but the last Adam. You know why he's called the last Adam? Because he's the last man standing. Yeah. Hmm? Adam fell, and so did all of us. But the last Adam came into the world and destroyed the works of the devil. Hallelujah. He took out of the way, as Colossians says, the handwriting of requirements that was against us, that was contrary to us, he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. He disarmed the devil and his sorry minions. He made a public spectacle out of them, triumphing over them in his cross. He died. He overcame death hell and the grave. He rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven, sat down at the right hand of God. He is coming back. Hallelujah. He's the Lord of all. He is the last Adam. Hallelujah. Much more with this last Adam. And what I love about this, Jesus is God's last view of man. Think about the thousands of years God's view of man because of Adam. All he could see was failure. All he could see was sin. And the blood of bulls and goats would just simply cover it, but they'd have to do it again, and they'd have to do it again, and they'd have to do it again. But it said, the Scripture says, consider this man once for all. His blood has once for all cleansed us. Because he didn't cover our sins, he took them away. Glory to God. He sees mankind through this last item. God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world to himself, not imputing the trespasses to them. And we know that we know that that's, that's how God sees us now. He sees us. Through, there's an example of that. You remember the story of Moses. You know, we've been walking on, sun, uh, on Sundays through uh, every book of the Bible. We just finished Deuteronomy on Sunday. So we'll get into Joshua. But in that series, you remember uh, the story of Moses in Exodus was where he he had killed the egyptian who was beating one of the hebrew slaves and then he buried him in the sand and he fled for his life he was afraid we well know that story right we know that story and he's 40 years out there working for his father-in-law jethro 40 years uh, as a shepherd and at 80 years old he has the, the experience with the burning bush and god calls him to deliver the children of israel uh, out of out of egypt well we know that story. But then when we get over to Hebrews, it kinda, it's like God forgot about the book of Exodus or something. It's like he rewrote Moses' story for us. It's interesting. Because when, when I read Hebrews, I just want us to look at it for just a second. Bring up Hebrews 11, uh, verse 24 for just a moment. Right? Why, did, why did Moses run from Egypt? Because he killed somebody and he was scared. You, read, you can read about that in the book of Exodus. He was fleeing for his life. Now watch this. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, that is, at that age of 40, about the time when he, he refused, to be, <laughs> refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, watch, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasure of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. What? You got all that God out of him running for his life from Pharaoh? Well, that's the thing about what Jesus did. Not only did Jesus, the last Adam, give us God's view of him where we are today, but it also covered all of these guys too and totally changed their story. We read about these men over in the New Testament, David, Abraham, never read about their sin, never talks about them in that light ever. It's like it never happened. And according to God, it didn't because Jesus Christ eradicated sin from us. Yeah. Amen. Matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, I'm going to get to 2, but 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And verse 2 says, For by it, that is by faith, the elders obtained a good report. That's what I'm saying. It was by faith that their story changed. That what their bad report, their bad testimony, all their sins listed, guess what? It's over now. By faith, they got a new story. By faith, they got a new testimony. By faith, you got a new testimony. If forget about what happened before when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You got a good report. Amen. You got a good testimony. God doesn't see your sin. He sees his son in you and you in him. By it, the elders obtained a good. That's why when we get over the New Testament, it's good, good, and gooder. You know, your story used to be a bad testimony, some of you more than others. I won't point any fingers tonight. I'll just point right here to this guy. I child so lost in sin at five years old. And that puppet show... At the Kids Crusade Oak Cliff Assembly of God convinced me I was the worst kind of sinner in the world and that puppet led me to Jesus, man. Put my pack of cigarettes on the altar and said, No more. (laughs) Well, you know, it doesn't matter. Sin is sin. We're all born in it. Right? Some of you were just on your way down pretty fast. You're a grease in the bottom of your shoes. Yeah, our story used to be, all of us had the bad testimony, and that testimony was, there is none righteous, no, not one. That was our testimony. The wages of sin is death. But faith in Jesus changed our bad testimony to a good testimony. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. You know what? I'm going to stop right there because we're going to start getting into the comparisons of the first Adam and the last Adam, and I want to spend some good time on that next Wednesday night. So I hope this has encouraged you tonight, blessed you, and built you up. Father, we thank you for this time together in your presence here. God, I thank you for all of these who are here under the sound of my voice. Lord, whatever situation they might be, some of them might be under great pressure tonight. But, Father God, we know that Your Word stands the test of time. From generation to generation, even as Psalm chapter 33 says, "...the counsel of the Lord." stands forever in the plans of his heart to all generations. Lord, we do thank you for that, that your plans don't stop. Even when we fail, even when we stumble, even when we fall, Father God, your plan is still in force. If we'll just believe God, if we'll get back in faith, hallelujah, and believe that Christ died for our sins, amen, that he was buried, he rose again from the dead, and that has given us sure victory. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Thank the Lord. We thank you that even though this, in this world we have trouble, there are tribulation, there's persecution. Lord, we know that you overcame. And the greater one lives on the inside of us. The same spirit that raised our Lord Jesus from the dead lives in us. And I pray tonight that your people, God, would be filled with the joy of the Lord afresh and anew. Filled, Lord, with your strength in Jesus' name. That the peace of God that passes all understanding would guard their hearts and minds through the Lord Jesus Christ, and that the Word of God would be like a treasure, God, that they'd never want to lose, that they would guard it, they would preserve it. They would keep it, Lord, in the midst of their heart. They would keep it in their mouth, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that your Word, your Word, as David said, is like a song in the night. It is a song of deliverance. And we thank you, Lord, that it is more sure than anything that we see, anything that we hear. Anything that we know, your word is more sure. And we believe that tonight. We believe you. Our hope is in you. That's why we can have a confident expectation. Because your word says, you are able to make all grace abound to us. That we have all sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. Thank you, Lord. And that you're able to make all things work together for good to those who love you. Called call according to your purpose in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at nine thirty and eleven, and Wednesday evenings at seven, and in Dallas ten thirty Sunday mornings, and our one o'clock one cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.